that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire here at Heart Seas Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. You know, I'm so excited today to be in the house of the Lord. I, I am so glad that there is a spirit of liberty in the house today. Not that there's not normally, but you know there's some days that you just feel such a liberty and there's just such a joy in the house. And I believe there is that today and I'm so excited. Why? Because we're talking about the vision of this house. We're talking about the vision of this house today. And really, the title of my message is, Where Do You Fit In? I think a lot of people struggle sometimes when they see vision or they see an institution or they see a a club or a society or a church, whatever it may be. And they look and they say to themselves, wow, I love what they stand for. I love what they do. I think they're great people and I want to be a part of it. But how can I get connected? How can I be a part? And in church, we don't want people to come week after week month after month, service after service, saying, you know what, I like it, but I don't know how I can be connected. I don't know how I can be involved. So this morning I want to talk about the vision of this house, our vision, what we are or what our identity is as a church. I'm excited as I look around today and I see many new faces that have joined our church over the last few months. But yet, as excited as I am about the new faces, there's still something in my heart that cries out and says, there's still not enough growth. We want to see more. And you may say, well, why is that? Because I'll tell you why. Satan has the biggest church in Baton Rouge. And until our church is bigger than his, and I'm not just talking about Heartsease, we're talking about Healing Place, Bethany, Oasis, all these churches in town, great churches. Until we are bigger than Satan's church, we have nothing to really be proud about. And we've got to realise that there is so much growth that God wants to do, because I believe God wants to build his house. God says, I will build my church. And I will make it a place that the gates of hell will not prevail about. Some may say, well, pastor, it's not about numbers. And to a degree, you are 100% right. For many, numbers have just become bragging rights. Oh, we've got five, six hundred, you know, like looking down on churches of our size and saying, you know, we're a little bit better than you. We're more successful. I don't believe that success can always be governed or determined on numbers. Come on, let me say that. And I'm not just saying that because we are a smaller church. I think we've got it back so many times that we can look and say, wow, they're successful because they're packing the house. Maybe. But maybe they're preaching such a diluted gospel that everyone and their brother and sister are feeling so good being there and there is no conviction in the house. Success is not always based on numbers. Remember that. But you know what? I believe that numbers count when they're souls. Numbers count when they're souls. At this church, we're not a number-driven church. We're a soul-driven church. And really, you may say it's the same thing. It is, but coming from the right motive. Because we don't just want people in the seats. We want people who come that God will transform their lives and revolutionize them and change them. That they'll be a witness. That they'll be an example. That they'll go out and win other people for Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we can be selfish. I have people come up to me quite a lot and they say these words. Pastor, I like this church. Because it's small. I like this church because it's small. Really, when we begin to make statements like that, we can be borderline pretty selfish in our approach. Because what we're saying is, I found a church that meets my needs, I'm happy, I'm comfortable, and as long as it stays this way, I'm going to be fine. 
pretty sad when you're saved already and there's other people who are lost. Come on, how many would agree that's a selfish ideal? But I understand that people like a small church because they like that feeling. And as God gives us the ability, our desire is as we grow, we're going to still stay small. Because our heart is to touch people, to be there for people. There's not going to be a day, I promise you this, where Pastor P is going to be surrounded by security guards. Can't touch this. That's not my heart. That's not what I am. I don't want to ever get to the place where it's going to take people months and months and months. If they want to talk to pastor, they have to go through 25 other people to get to the pastor. Come on, I understand people do things different ways, but that's not the heart and the heartbeat of this church. That's not what we are. That's not who I am. And I'm not going to change because I'm going to be true to what God has called me. Now, there are going to be restrictions. There are going to be limitations as we grow. We've got to understand that. But yet, together, we'll make it. This is what I say to people when they say, you know what, I'm glad we're small. I'll say to them this. Don't like the smallness for too long. Because we're growing. Come on, don't get just too connected here because we're a small church. If you want a small church, go and find another church because we're not going to stay small. Come on, we're growing in God. And I'm ready for growth. I I met with Bishop Charles Wallace the other day, a great pastor here in church from Oasis Christian Church, I believe it is, and and a great guy. And he said to me, he said, Philip, remember this. God doesn't count numbers. He just makes numbers count. And that's what I want to see in this house. I want to see numbers that count. As we see families restored. Come on, say an amen. We see souls saved. We see marriages repaired. Come on. We see lives completely transformed and renewed by the power of God. So how does all that happen? That happens in an environment where God can look down from heaven and He can say this, I can trust that church. I can trust those people with growth. If you're taking notes today and you should be in church, remember this, the statistics tell us if you take notes in church, you're less likely to go to hell. Don't know if that's true, but I wouldn't go to hell on that premise. Amen? So take notes in the house of God. Listen to this. Why should God... Write this down. Why should God... I've got it on the board for you so you can see it or on the screen. Why should God increase something that doesn't possess or possess the potential to expand? Think about that. We want growth. We want this. But why should God give us that if there's no potential or even a desire in us to be able to expand? So how do we expand? How do you expand? We expand through vision. Vision is common purpose. Vision is going after the same goal. You know, I've been just talking with Trey and Megan, doing some premarital counseling with them. and, 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 you know, we've been talking about two becoming one. And the idea is you don't surrender your personality and what you are because that's the person that that one was interested in or drawn to. So you don't change. But what happens when two becomes one, now your goals and dreams and aspirations become one. That now you go for the same thing. That's the beauty of church. That together we have different opinions. We come from different backgrounds. We have different methods and ways of doing things. That's okay because together, under common purpose and common goal, going after the same thing, we can achieve greatness. So vision is going after what God has called us as a church to do and to be. It's not just doing the task. It's about being while we are doing. Do you understand that? It's not about just doing something. It's about being while we are doing. Notice, we're human doings? No. We are human We're human beings. We're human beings. We will never be a church that just does for the sake of doing, and fail to live the life of Christ, being what He has called us to be. Do I hear an Amen? Let me read out the letter, if I may, to you that I received last week to the office that really blessed me. And Nancy, and I believe Mr. Huss was there when I read out this letter, and I began to cry, began to weep as I got to the end of this letter. It says this, Pastor P, we are so enjoying our time at Heartsease. I should have joined this church seven years ago when God had you visit my home office. 
At the time, I was rooted in a church, loyal to the congregation and to the children we had baptised and confirmed, and I felt I was making a difference. When my ministry started, I brought some homeless folks there. When the congregation, when I brought them to the congregation, the congregation showed fake hospitality. But when I brought them to Heart's Ease the next week, your people hugged these people who had not bathed as if they were wearing Chanel number no. five. At that point, I began to love and respect Heart's Ease Family Life Church as a real church, one after God's own heart. Congratulations, Pastor, for leading such a group of people. Isn't that fantastic? Come on, give God the glory and the honour in the house. I think that is fantastic. I think that is absolutely incredible that we can look and we can realise and we can hear firsthand from people that they went somewhere and it was a fake hospitality, but they came here and they were welcomed, they were loved, that they were absolutely embraced. That's God's church at work. Come on, help me out in this place today. I said, that's God's church at work. Touching those, whoever they are, realising they need Jesus Christ in their, law, in their lives. Finding a need and filling it. Pastor Dino, during our church anniversary, came here and I believe preached a phenomenal message. The whole weekend was just unbelievable. But his message goes so with what we are dealing with and talking about today. He talked about longing for belonging. The need we all possess inside of us to belong to someone or to something. But then he took it to another level and he brought out what he called life-shaping benefits that come as a direct result of being connected in a church. I believe you can tell people who are connected to church. I don't just talk about people who say they go to church. I'm talking about people who are being his church, who come to church. Come on. We've probably got 500, 600 people out there that say that this is their church. But where are they? Come on, I believe if this, if this is your church, you need to come. Come on, I believe you need to come. Come on, you don't say I work somewhere and you don't show up for work. You won't have a job for too long. But we're good at doing that at church. Oh, that's Pastor P. Yeah, he's our pastor. We go there. Oh, you do? <laughs> Had someone once come in and they needed some help and we've got some forms that fills out just for people's information and on one of the questions says, are you a member of this church? And they put yes. I looked at them and he said, I said, you come to this church? He said, yes. I said, when? He said, well, I came once. I said, that's not quite membership. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's not quite membership. But look what Psalms 92 verse 13, you probably knew I had to go here today because I love this scripture when it talks about church life and connecting. Because I believe, here's the thought, that you can see people, families, lives. Can I say this? You can tell that the Howard family are connected to church. You may say, how do you know that? Well, their daughter was leading praise and worship today. Come on. The other daughter and son did the announcements today. And I know you're thinking they still need Jesus. Their dad did the offering today. Come on. And their mother is at the back. She is supporting them. She is praying for them. She's going to be amen and pastor peace. She heads up the ladies' ministry. What are you saying? That's a result of connection. Not just the parent connected, the children connected. If you would look at my family, all my family, I can't remember how many cousins, my mum and dad are both one of six, loads of aunts and uncles, but can I tell you this, that the majority, all my dad's family, on my dad's side, every one of our family are saved and working and ministering in the church. Why church wasn't an option when I was growing up? Thank God. Well, there was an option, you're going. That was it. That was the, that was the option, you're going. And I thank God for that. Why? Because look what Psalms 92 verse 13, it tells us the result of connection. It says, those who are planted, or as you say, planted, connected. Come on, if you've got to be planted, you've got to be connected and have your roots down. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're going to be planted in something, you've got to have some roots down. And the roots are pretty important because it's from the roots that you get all the nutrients and that there's growth and there's stability. If there's no roots, when the storms come, you're going to fall over. We don't want that. A lot of people have fallen over because they're not connected to a church. Come on, in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Say with me, connected to church. 
All right, now say it like you mean it. Connected to church. Those who are connected to church shall what? They shall flourish in the courts of our God. That word flourish there means to break forth as a bud. But I also looked a little bit deeper. It means to also spread. That you're spreading out. That there's, there's width that's coming about your life. But you know what? There's something else. It also says and it also deals with to fly like the spreading of your wings. So those who are connected to the house of God, they're going to blossom. They're going to grow and have width in their lives. And they can excel and fly. Don't you like that? That they can move in God. So through God's house, there's growth in width and there's growth in height. Being connected to the church, you're going to be blessed. It's a growth or a flourishing that others will be able to see too. I believe through your connection to the house, you'll be a witness to other people. Why? People are going to look and say, what happened to them? They used to be miserable and depressed all the time. Something's changed. Something's happened in their life. Why is their attitude now so great? Wow, their kids used to be out of control. It's got to be something in that church. What are they experiencing there that we're not getting? I believe there are benefits involved in the right connections. And there are consequences for the wrong connections. Thank you, I've got one amen for that. I'll take that. There are benefits through the right And there are consequences through the wrong. And many of us, unfortunately, have the t-shirts from the wrong. We've been there, done that. We've got all of that. But you know what we've realised? That doesn't work. There's no life there. But we've found a new way of living and that's connecting to God. So Pastor Dino gave us five life-shaping benefits. Remember what they were? Number one, he said, as being connected to the church, my belief has been built. What does he mean by that? My faith has been shaped. That through the word, which in turn through the word, which in turn strengthens my walk and my talk. He said, "I have found a new sense of belonging." He said, "It's not a one-night stand." He said, "I'm committed now and connected to something." He says, "Through the church, I've become the man God wants me to be through the word and through the examples of other people around." He said, "It's taught me how to behave, and we're still learning." Come on, we're still learning. We must have belief, however, before behaviour. Come on. You've got to have belief before behaviour. And the fifth thing he said is, my life is now bigger through connection and belonging. He said, that's where I cross over from me to we. But he also said something else that started me thinking. And there was a lot of incredible things that were said that night. And you need to order the CDs and grab those or go on the website and listen to the podcasts or download the message. But he said, as a church, you have just celebrated seven years. Seven years of 52 weeks a year is 364 Sundays. Therefore, do you realise today makes 300 and 65 Sundays that we have been a church. What does that mean? That means we're getting ready to step into a new year. 365? No leap year this year, buddy. We're getting ready to step into a new year. And I think that's so beautiful when you look at the number seven is completion and the number eight means new beginning. I believe it's just all part and parcel of what God is doing. And that's why I want to speak on vision, our vision, the vision of this house. Why? Because I want us to go into a new year with a new excitement, with a new sense of belonging, with a new connection, with a new excitement to realise that we're going to see God move in this place, but He's going to touch people outside of this place too. And He's going to touch them through me being, not doing but being what God has called me to be. And that's why I want to talk this morning about where do you fit in? What part are you responsible to play to see this vision, to see this growth, to see God move in this house? In other words, what do you need to do? Or better said even, what do I need to be? What do I need to be? I want to give you five beings, B-E-I-N-G-S, beings. I want to give you five being characteristics that I believe when applied will grow not only the kingdom of God, but it's going to grow you and it's going to grow this church. 
Notice I said the kingdom of God first. Because it's all about his kingdom. It's not about hearts. We're growing his kingdom. Come on, we're not growing our church. We're growing his kingdom. Come on, we're kingdom connected. Come on, we're kingdom minded. It's about growing his kingdom. Because I believe we all have a part to play. God saved you and now calls you to a purpose. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason God changed you. Yes, it was to make you good. But it also involves other people. Listen to this before I give you the five beings. Godly vision is bigger than you and it involves more people than you. And most of those people don't know it yet. And that's where you come in. Did you catch that? Godly vision involves a lot more people than you. And a lot of those people involved just don't know it yet. But that's where you and I come in. Why? Because it's our purpose to tell them and lead them in the right direction. Amen. Amen. It's our purpose. So being number one, are you ready? Just plain and simple today. We're not going to knock you off with some... Greek and Hebrew and all this, that you're not going to understand what I'm saying. This is just simple practice. I'm just a simple guy. Is that okay? I'm just a simple guy. And I believe the gospel should be made in such a way that it's simple and understood. So what do I need to be, number one? Here it is, be relevant. Be relevant. I believe we need to be a church of relevance. I looked up that word relevance or relevant in the dictionary and it means, the word means bearing upon or connected with the matter in hand. It means to the point. Connected with the matter at hand. You know, as I began to write on that definition, I thought the matter at hand is pretty important. The matter at hand is people are lost, they're dying every day and they're going to hell. Come on, the matter at hand is pretty important. Church is not about come to church as a Christian and stuff my face. It's Christian buffet time and that's what it's all about. That's not what church is. You're going to be blessed, but church is about reaching other people with the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. I think the matter at hand is pretty important. People are dying every second lost and it's time that we get to the point. Drop the Christianese. You know what Christianese is? Just hang around a few Christians and they speak a different language. Come on, they get all super spiritual. Have you ever noticed when some people start talking about God, they start changing their voice and they start doing all these things. They don't talk like that on the phone to people. You know that angelic voice and all these things? You know what? Drop the Christian holy-than-thou language and just be real. Be understandable. Be relevant to people. Don't get, the Bible says, if you get mad at me for saying that, I'll quote God. Don't get so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly goods. That people are stepping back instead of stepping in. I want when I walk into a place, people to step towards me, not run for their lives. Oh, here comes that Holy Ghost guy again. Oh, run for your life. He's weird. Yeah, I am weird. But I want people to be attracted to my weirdness. Because I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. I've got something worth shouting about. It makes me sing and it makes me shout. I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. I love that. Look at how Jesus reached people. Jesus reached people with parables. He told them stories. Jesus told them to talk about farmers. Jesus talked about animals. Jesus talked about husbands and wives. Jesus talked about the weather. Jesus used illustrations, catch this, that people could relate with. Every day when they walked, they said, wow, that's what Jesus meant. Wow, now I understand. Yes, everyone could associate with the relevance of what he said. But listen to me, relevance is not compromise. It can be. So can church. So can be worship. So can prayer. All those things can be compromised. But relevance done in the right manner, in the right way, is not compromised. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, how you do church, you're just compromising. We're not compromising the gospel. Come on, it's the same message. We may be using some different methods, but the message never changes. 
Come on, the message never changes. And that is the message is that we're sinners, we're lost, and we're undone. But for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon a cross, that we can have forgiveness of sin, but He didn't stay on a cross. He rose from the dead, that we can have newness of life. And as a result of that life, we can live eternal life. It's the message of God. But how can we relevantly communicate that with people? Telling them they're going to hell? There's a time and a place to tell people someone that, but I don't believe in going up to someone you don't even know and point your finger in the face and say, son, you're going to hell. You've heard me say it. They're probably going to turn around and say, well, you go there. (laughs) And they're not going to mean it the same way you do. Again, there are exceptions. Please understand, but we're talking about principles. Principles, principles. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, if you would, and it's going to be on the screen. In Acts chapter 2, we know this chapter, or should, very well. In verses 1 through 4, it talks of God's Holy Spirit coming upon 120 in the upper room. It talks about clothing tongues of fire and that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. But it doesn't stop there. Everything God does is for a purpose and reason. Verse 1 through 4, we see God move. But we're going to read on and see in verse 5 and on what was the purpose, what was the meaning of his moving. Everything God does is for a purpose and has a meaning. Listen to verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. The reason everyone was there was it was a celebration time. They were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. Hasten when God's Spirit moved upon them. That's where they got the name Pentecostals. It was the Feast of Pentecost. I love how God does things. You know, God does things when everyone's together. Jesus was born when everyone was together. Think about it. God does everything with purpose and meaning. Incidentally, the reason why Jesus came in that time of history was when the Roman... The Romans were in rule. Why was that so important? Because one of the greatest things that Rome did was communication throughout the whole world. They built roads. They had ships. So when Jesus came on this earth, he came at a time in history where communication was probably at its greatest. For what reason? That the word would be able to be spread. That people would know. We've got the internet now. We've got telephones. They didn't back then. It would take months and years sometimes for news. But when Jesus came, the roads and the structure of Rome enabled the word, the gospel, to get out to a greater greater degree. The people of that time looked and said, oh, Roman oppression. And God looked and said, no, communication. The gospel can get out. It's amazing, isn't it, what we see and what God sees. Reason, purpose. Remember that. Reason and a purpose. And when the sound occurred, verse 6, which was the speaking under the utterance of the leaving of God. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused. Because everyone heard them. That was the 120 who were in the upper room. Everyone heard them speaking in their own language. People from all over the world, all different nations. All of a sudden, 120 people were communicating with every nation in their own language. Verse 7, paraphrased, they turned around and said, how can this be? These are just Galileans. Really what they were saying, they're just ignorant people. How can this be? We know that they don't know our language. Verse 8, how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born. Verses 9 and 10 goes to list all the different nations or the nationalities of the region of which they came from. But look at verse 11. It says this, We hear them speaking, once again, in our own language, but what are they speaking? Are they speaking gibberish? Are they condemning people? Come on, what are they speaking? They are speaking the wonderful word. Of God. You've got to catch this. They are speaking the wonderful words of God. They began to conclude, oh, these guys are drunk. I don't know about you. I've been around some drunk people. Drunk people are not smarter. <laughs> I've never seen a Bud Light commercial that says, drink Bud and you'll talk five languages. It doesn't happen. You see, man always has to try to find something as an answer, but the answer is God. The answer is God. It was a God thing that happened. And as a result of a God thing, it's always a good thing. 
God touched a bunch of misfits. Wow, it sounds like us. A group of people that didn't have it all together. But they had one thing in purpose. They were waiting on God. God said, go and wait. They didn't know what they were waiting for. He said there was promise. What was the promise? I don't know. You're going to be a witness. Well, how are we going to... I don't know. Go and wait. You know what? So many of us wait for everything to be in place before we get to place. God doesn't say, get everything in order. And then, come on now, that's why a lot of people have a misrepresentation and understand of the church because church is made of, oh, you're bleeding, please stay outside till you stop your bleeding. Oh, you've got cancer? Oh, we don't allow only well people in this house. We're the hospital for the sick. We're the place where the hurting needs to come in. Come on, they were waiting on God. They had a focus, they had a vision. Come on, they had a vision. Together they were waiting on God and God came and He gave them a language that was relevant and understood by all those around. That day everyone heard how great God was in their own language. In their own language. You see, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus told them when He told them to wait, He said, go. He said, because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and what? He said, you're going to be a witness. You're going to be a witness. How can we be a relevant, effective witness? We've got to have God's Holy Spirit speaking out through us that when we open up our mouths, when we're at work, when we're in our cars, what we're doing is we're sharing the wonderful works of God. We're making the gospel so appealing that people may, who don't even want it, and have rejected God and say, I'm through with church, that they'll come to a place and say, but you know what, it's sounding a little bit more attractive. They're making me want some of that. We need a message. God's Spirit is available for every one of us. His Holy Spirit. To make us relevant to our world. Holy Spirit wasn't just about speaking in tongues. It was tongues for a purpose. It was tongues for a purpose. A lot of people thank God and there is. One of the attributes, I believe, of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is it speaks about building yourself up in the most holy faith. There's a building, there's an edification that comes. But you know what? It's not just about you because God never intended it just to be about you. It's about other people. Why do you think the Holy Spirit wants to build you up so you can have more than enough of yourself? No, God wants to build you up so you've got more to give to those around. You see, we're going to be relevant. Relevant. Find common interests. Find achievements. Find goals. Talk, laugh, cry with people. Bring the gospel, listen to this, back down to earth. Bring the gospel right down to where Speak their language. Now listen to me, that doesn't mean becoming them. Once again, it doesn't mean compromising. They're going to have different opinions. They're going to have different ideas. You don't agree with them because Pastor Philip says be relevant. I didn't say that. It means really this, that they can begin to relate to your life. Did you catch that? That they can look and say, well, I used to know them. I knew how they were. God's changed them. There's no denying that. You see, your life becomes relevant. Then your life begins to give hope to others around because people look at you and say, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. That's what relevance is about. Showing people hope through your life. Through your testimony. And what God has done for you. Is this okay today? Being number two. Be humble. Be humble. There's a scripture that I always laugh at in Numbers. I believe it's Numbers 12 verse 3. And it says these words. Now Moses was very humble. More humble than all men who are on the face of the earth. I laugh at that because Moses wrote that. Moses wrote that. He wrote that about himself. I mean, I think that's funny. Maybe you don't, but I think that's funny. But you know what? I believe Moses recognised, like we need to, someone just got it over there. Praise God. (laughs) Or maybe they got my joke at the beginning of the message. I don't know. You know how you make some people laugh on Thursday? Tell them a joke on Saturday. Takes about five days and then all of a sudden they get to it. But I believe Moses understood, like you and I need to understand, some of you are going to laugh about that, like Tuesday or something. But I believe that Moses understood something that we need to, and that is this, that humility is very important. Not to be elevated. 
Not to be above others. Looking down, condemning. Jesus walked amongst them. Jesus walked amongst them. Look at Philippians 5, or Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. It says these words. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, he was God, part of the Trinity. And being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean was, he wasn't an imposter by saying he was God. He was God. But look what it says in verse 7. But made himself. He emptied himself is what it means. He made himself of no reputation taken on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8, and being found in his appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to even the point of death, even the death upon the cross. Paul, in this letter to the Philippians, is saying not only to them, but he's saying to every one of us, you need to be like that. You need to be like that. What is he saying? You need to put yourself in your place. And what does that mean? You're not it and the biscuit. Come on, it's all about God. It's all about God. You see, pride will mask the presence of God from others around and will also destroy your life. The Bible says pride goes before a fall, the Holy Spirit. Come on, we've got to realise this. When we get pride and arrogance and elevate ourselves and think we're better than other people, we're masking the gospel from other people. But we're also destroying our own selves. And what happens when pride rises, people turn their back and they still leave hopeless. They've come to the person they thought had the answer and they leave. Worse off than they were even before. How about if everyone we came into contact with, we had the mindset of Christ? What is the mindset of Christ? How can I serve them? He became a bond servant. Came as a man. What about if we had that mindset, how can I serve them? You know that boss that really treats you bad, how can I serve them? You know that person in your neighbourhood that you don't like, how can I serve them? Is that aggression, is that anger, is that because it's masking some hurt and pain that's going on in their life? I mean, how can I serve them? How can I break down that barrier? Jesus was willing, wasn't he, to go the extra mile? That which was not expected nor demanded. Listen to what Mother Teresa says. Someone once asked Mother Teresa this question. Do you think you're a special gift from God? Here's her reply. No. I was just faithful to God. Pretty impressive, huh? Do you think you're a special gift? If there was anyone that's maybe walked the face of this earth, Mother Teresa could have been one that said, yes, I'm special because I did this, that and everything else. She did things that even we couldn't even begin to dream of doing. And she did it with resources that we, don't even, that we have today that weren't available to her. But she says, no, I'm not special. I'm just faithful to God. She knew her place. That's what she was saying. I know my place. I know my place. If we are being saved, or rather, sorry, if we are being seen, then we're blocking God. If people are just seeing you, they're not seeing God. It's Christ in you, yes, the hope of glory, but you're not the road, you're the signpost. What do you mean by that? You're not the way, he's the way. But you're pointing people in the way. But too many times through our pride, through our arrogance, we can block Jesus Christ and therefore people don't see God and they never get changed. They never have an encounter, they never step into his presence. Matthew 5 verse 16, I've got to move on quickly, says, let your light so shine before men... They may see your good works. It doesn't say about seeing you. Hello? It's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're being. Come on. It's not that they'll see you. The Bible says that they'll see your good works. The life that you live. The way you live. The humility of your life. The relevance of your life. They'll see your good works and what? They'll begin to glorify God and say, wow, that's awesome. I want to be a part of that. 
It's about being. It's about being. It's about being. Is this okay today? I believe this message will not only change you, but it's going to change our church. Being number three. Are you ready? Be practical. Be practical. Your words say what you are, but your actions say who you are. We've got so spiritual and irrelevant and religious that we've lost the very sight of why we do what we do. Say with me, practical. Come on, say with me, practical. Come on, say with me, just be practical. Just be you. That's what God wants you to do. God wants you to just be you. Actions speak louder than... Practicality means, as I looked in the dictionary, having to do with action or practice rather than thought or theory. I love that. Listen to that again. Having to do with action or practice rather than thought or theory. In other words, take this Bible, take this message that you hear every Sunday and live it out through your life. That's what practicality means. That's what's being practical. Come on, let me give you some practical hit, tip. Can I? You ready? Just be a smile. Do you know a smile can light someone's world? How many in here are not capable of smiling? We all are. Bill will pray for you later. Be a smile. Open a door for someone. Say thank you. Treat people with respect. John Starr's an incredible singer at... Uh, Jimmy Swaggart Ministries for years travelled for many times. I remember this little lady in the back rooms that was almost forgotten. No one even probably knew her name. She was actually called Eileen. She was from England. A great little lady that I met when I had the privilege of being there. And she said to me, you know my favourite person that's ever been at this ministry is John Stans. I said, I don't blame you. I think he's a great singer. She says, no, it has nothing to do with his singing. She said, I used to work in the garden team. She said, I used to be in charge of doing all the flower beds. And she said he was the only one that would pull up with his car and wind down the window and say, sweetheart, you're doing such a beautiful job. That spoke to her more than his angelic voice. And everything he did, just the respect that he gave her. How many times do we just go beyond people because we think we're elevated? Come on, just be practical to people. Say thank you. Treat people with respect. Use people's names. Listen to people. Be polite and well-mannered. Listen to this one. Leave a good tip. Don't leave a tract or tell someone about coming to your church and then rip them off and don't give them a good tip. And if you're going to do that, leave another church's tract and don't use ours. You know, I often laugh about this, but you know one of the practical things that I live by in that is this. Put your shopping cart back. When you take something off the, the aisle in the grocery store and you realise three hours later that you don't want it, just don't just stick it on any shelf. Take it back where you got it from and put it somewhere else. Why? Because someone's going to have to come and do that for you. Thank you. You know, people could say, hold on a second, Pastor, you're talking about growing our church. Exactly, I'm talking about growing our church. Why? Because we've got to grow you before the church can grow. And these are things that if we can get, because God says those things that he sees in secret, God says I'm going to reward what? Openly. Come on, I felt that. The things that we see in secret, God says, I'm going to leave a good... Listen to this one. Don't use hand motions while driving. Don't use the one finger wave. Listen to this one. Realise the horn is for a warning device and not a weapon. I mean, practical things that we need to apply to our lives. Come on, we make it so complicated. Come on now, we make church so complicated. It becomes such a chore to live a Christian life. I believe the Christian life is the greatest life on the face of the earth. I enjoy every day. I enjoy life. Be practical. And you know what? In doing so, people will see Christ. Listen to me. People will see Christ. People will see Christ. People will see Christ. I've started taking my shopping cart back and all of a sudden people started taking it back. They didn't even know why they were doing it, but they started doing it. People begin to do things. They don't even know why they're doing it, but they're seeing you do it. Why? Because they're seeing Jesus in you. Isn't that beautiful? I said, isn't that beautiful? Christ in you is the hope of glory. 
But Christ is not in you as in hidden, but it's Christ in you that's seen that produces hope and glory. Come on, two more, and I'm going to take it with you because I've got to leave to go to the beach. So let's go. <laughs> Being number four, be consistent. Have consistency in your life. One of the things that gets to me the most as a pastor is the inconsistency of people who know better. What does consistency involve? I believe consistency has been the same in any environment you find yourself in. If you're a Christian, then you're a Christian no matter what, where or how. So sick of Sunday Christians. We can't even almost say Wednesday Christians anymore because people have forgotten that one. So sick of just Sunday Christians. Inconsistency is maybe one of the biggest turn-offs to the unsaved. To those who are lost. Why? Because they watch when we're up and when we're down. They watch when we're in, we watch when we're out. They watch us being critical and talking about people in the church and hold on, and they, you want us to be a part of that? They say that the Christian army is the only army that shoots wounded. But there's a little clause in there, read it quickly first. We torture first. We're not quick to shoot because that's too easy. We want to torture them first and make them suffer before we put them out of their misery. Inconsistency, inconsistency. It amazes me, not in the sense of giving me, or it amuses me rather, not in the sense of giving me satisfaction or joy, but it amuses me of how many people cannot understand why their kids, families and friends are not in church and they don't come themselves. I don't know why my kids are not in church. I don't know why they're not here. And I've looked at people and said, well, maybe if you were here, then they would come. Why should they come to a place that you don't even think is important? Because if it was important to you, you'd be there. Thank you, Miss D. You would be there. You see, perhaps if they saw the consistency in you, then they would consider what you have. If you can't walk it, please stop talking it. I said, if you can't walk it, please just shut up and stop talking it. Why? Because you've given us a bad name. You've given those of us who are trying to live the life. We're not perfect, but you know what? We're trying to the best of our abilities to preach the gospel and live the gospel. You know the bad name that they've given us? Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Acting out a role. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're representing that. That's the God we're representing. We're representing a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're representing Him. Do I hear an amen? amen. If you commit to something, listen to me, be there and do it. If you say, Pastor, I'm going to be there, or you say to someone, you can bank on me, I'll be there for the nursing home, I'll do this. You know what, if you're going to make a commitment, be consistent and do it. Be there on time. And you know what on time means? Early. If it starts at 10, you're not on time when you show up at 10. You're on time when you show up early because there's always set up. There's always things that need to be done. Be reliable. One day God's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen to this. Faithfulness is a result of consistency. Being consistent. And last not, but not least, being number five, respond to need. Say that with me. Respond to need. Where there's a need, step in and meet it. Remember the good Samaritan? The good Samaritan didn't stop and ask why the priest or the Levite or the other guy didn't help. I wonder why they didn't, why didn't they stop and help? He didn't ask that. He didn't even stop to ask, what's happened? What happened to you? Are you okay? The guy's bloody and beaten. He's not okay. He saw the need and the Bible says he bent down and he began to respond. He met the need. How many needs do you and I have all around us every day? Um, you know, we're Christians and we pray God... Give me this and God give me that. I was talking to Jennifer yesterday and, and, and she was saying to me, Oh, Pastor Philip, it's awful. The, the work environment and everything I'm around and all this kind of stuff, the people, is, it, it, it's just tough. You know what? That's where we need to be. 
As hard as that is, that's where we need to be because if people are broken and hurting and there's problems and there's anguish and their pain, God, you've placed us in the right place because we can see needs and we can respond to those. And we can meet the needs. Have you and I responded to the needs that were around us? Immediately around us. We would have to go overnight to at least five Sunday morning services to hold all the people that would come into this place. If we would just respond to the needs. Be real with people. Let people know who you are. Let people know what you believe. Let people know who you belong to. Let people know where you're going. I'm going to heaven. I'm forgiven. But you know what? Let them know God has a place reserved just for them too. Come on, meet a need and fill it. Respond. Show them that they're important to God. People are looking to belong, but they are finding, but they are finding what they think is the answers in all the wrong places. Why? Because you and I are not seizing the opportunities. We're not responding to the needs. You know what, for this church to grow, I guarantee Pastor P needs to preach a whole lot better. For this church to grow, I guarantee that our praise team needs to sing a whole lot better. Our musicians need to do a lot better. Our nursery, I know that all those things need to change too. But you know what? Real true growth comes from every one of us being better. If you're looking for Pastor P to preach better to fill this church, well, you better give him some people to inspire him to preach to. If you want our praise and worship team to get better, then you pack this house and you watch as it motivates them. Not that they're looking for people, but the encouragement that it gives them. Come on, if we're looking for this place to grow, stop looking at everyone else and saying, why is it not growing? Look at yourself and say, am I growing? Because anything that's alive grows. Stop just doing Let's start being. Today I gave you five simple points of just being. What are they? That's our vision. That's our church. That's what God has called us to be. What has he called us to be? Relevant, practical, humble, consistent and responsive to every need. Will you fit in and do your part? Remember the question I asked in the title of the message, where do I fit in? Right there. Will you do your part? Would you stand your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.